HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's September 10th, 2013. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 in the East Village and the Good Beer Seal. I've got some great guests tonight. i got Ben from Queens Kickshaw, another Good Beer Seal bar. How are you, Ben? I'm great. Thank you. How's it going, We've Jimmy? got some fine gentlemen from Pilsner Urkel. Guys, introduce yourselves. Vaslo. Hi, I'm Vaslo Berka. I'm trade room master from Pilsner Urkel. All right, and this gentleman here. Hey, I'm uh, Francis Ekstaska. I'm from Hospora Master Bartender. And he just won the Master Bartender competition for uh, Pilsner and Raquel. I saw him in action. He's a Zen master. He has the side pour. And uh, I, don't think any, I don't think any of the Americans really know how to do it. Uh, Zeke, this is Zeke from Pilsner and Raquel, too. What's his secret? Because this guy, was, he was like the Zen master of pouring Pilsner and Raquel. Yeah, I am Zee, the trade quality manager from Pilsner and Raquel. And... Uh, Actually, Frankishek uh, has a lot of practice with uh, with the side pour, so he really knows how to pour the beer with it. And uh, it's about a practicing. It's similar like a golf. If you don't practice, you don't play well. well. It looks like he practices a lot. And we've got uh, from Big Alice Brewing. We've got a whole bunch of guys here. You guys, introduce yourselves. We had you on WNYC when we did the craft beer jam this summer. Great uh, to have you back. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm Scott Berger. Uh, here we go. Robbie Crafton and Kyle Hurst. All right. So we're going to be drinking a lot of great beers from Big Alice and Pilsner Raquel today on the show. And we'll also have a call-in uh, from Tad Fisco at the uh, Portland Kettle Works, uh, who's made some uh, beer systems for some uh, New York State breweries. So here we are. Thanks to our sponsor, greatbrewers.com. They bring the best beer to you. And you can go to Beer Cloud to learn where, where to get it. Um, I'm, I'm taking the, the 100 test again. I'm going to try to get 100 on it. Uh, they have some great tests and education as well on greatbrewers.com. Uh, ben, at, at uh, Queens Kickshaw... In, in Queens, do you do any type of beer education? Do you ever use the, the Great Brewers Test online for your staff? Uh, no, we don't use the Great Brewers Test, but I do know it's a great resource. Uh, but recently, actually, a number of our staff has started uh, doing uh, the Beer Sister on Certification Program. So, so the server or the, or the real? The beer the, server. Beer the, server. The beer server, starters. yeah. Uh, but we've had a number that have passed that or are going on. 
So as a bar owner, I mean, what do you? Because we're honoring Frank today, who who won the master bartender competition at Pilsner Raquel, and you know he's got this this deep training. He, you know, he's, he was bartending in the Czech Republic for a long time, and you can tell by the way he he keeps his bar. Uh, you know, he he is a professional. But for you here in America, you know, you don't have these traditions. You know, how do you expect your staff to learn how to be good bartenders? It's and always a challenge. Servers. It's always a challenge for sure, especially for us because we're, you know, we're also a restaurant and a coffee shop as well. And there's so much to learn about food and coffee and everything. And so we're, you know, it's, it's a constant uh, sort of educational circle. And uh, fortunately, we've got a lot of great people on our staff that just really want to soak up information. And it's great. But, I mean, with the kind of turnover that you would expect in a restaurant industry, it's just an ongoing, ongoing circle of, of uh, education. So, Zeke, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, to – I know Frank speaks some English, but – you may have to translate a little bit. So, uh, okay. first of all, he, he bartends at the Hospoda, which is uh, a Czech bar restaurant. Yeah, right? that's right. And uh, is there a connection with the, the, the Czech consulate? <coughs> is there any connection with the Czech government or the Czech consul? Uh, František, uh, je tam nějaké spojení na český konzulát? Je tam nějaká spolupráce? Uh, ano, uh, yes. <laughs> ano, konzulát sídlí přímo v budově u nás a přímo pan konzul má rád plzeňský pivo a rád chodí k nám ochotnávat a testovat a plně nás podporuje. OK, so uh, basically the cooperation is very simple. Uh, the consulate is uh, based in the, in the building and uh, uh, Mr. Konzul basically likes the beer, so he do his quality checks uh, quite uh, regularly and make sure that the beer served there is perfect. So do you, do you think, it, and Vaslov too, you know, you're, you're, you travel the world for Pilsner Raquel, but let's talk about, you know, he won the master the bartender competition yesterday. Uh, what do you think, are there some qualities that, that he developed working in the Czech Republic that sets uh, him apart from the other bartenders? Yeah, we are on the way uh, how we uh, really will support uh, quality of the market because you, every, every brewmaster will agree with me that uh, usually beer in the, in the cellars of uh, brewery is excellent. But on the way to consumer, sometimes could happen that by bad curing, uh, the beer is horrible. And this is our way. This is our training for the people, and uh, we already organized this this competition for bartender uh, eight times. Uh, Frank is uh, eight uh, winner in this U.S. and and we, uh, after then we organized this meeting for all countries who served personal draft beer, and maybe Frank from Hospora will be world champion uh, in pouring personal. But this is not about only pouring. This is about uh, skills and caring about the beer. This is about uh, knowledge. It's about uh, history and production of the beer. Because a bartender should be a leader, boss in the in the bar, and uh, he should communicate with everybody and explain everything. And people should going. Uh, to special pub only because there is the his uh, friend master bartender. Let's ask Frank. So Frank, uh, when, when you open the bar, how many days a week do you work at Hospoda? Uh, I'm before one year. I'm working about six, seven days because I'm only me behind the bar. And after I'm uh, in the training, is uh, American guy is uh, Mickey Alexander. He's now uh, in the training in the Czech Republic, in the Prague. 
And now uh, I have second is uh, Iri Holes. He was in uh, the third on uh, the competition. Yeah, in the competition, yeah, Yuri. But so you, you expect, you think that if he trains in the Czech Republic, he's going to learn things that he wouldn't learn in America? Yeah. Yeah. And what do you do when you start your day? Maybe a better question will be <laughs> ask Frank uh, what his top record for po- uh, how many beer he poured a day uh, as a maximum. <laughs> yeah, it's my maximum in one day. Uh, it was in the Prague, in the restaurant Rokal. And it was about uh, 900 beer for one day. Wow. Is that a lot, Ben? Do you think that's a lot of beers in one day? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially he, he pours them properly. You know. I think we have now is... Uh, it's not like some Irish bartender that's just slapping <laughs> them out, you know. Yeah. I think we have now is new record in the local. We have about 1,000 beer, maybe more. Wow, that's a good one. Is that like in one night or uh, in a, a whole day, like uh, afternoon and evening? It's for all day, but this is not uh, only about pouring, because uh, you know, uh, bartenders should prepare everything for for the pouring. It means thousand uh, glasses washed manually, handily, to be sure that the beer will be served in proper glass. And you change the keg yourself too? No, no. Where are you, tank? This tank is uh, about uh, okay. 50 liter or 1,000 liter. Mm-hmm. Hectoliter. Hectoliter. Wow. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you more about Also, the guys from Big Alistair here, we're, we're drinking uh, something super local. And, and, and that leads us to, we can talk about, how do you care, you know, do you care where your beer is poured and, and, and how it's poured? Because he was saying that, you know, uh, in the cellar of the brewery, the, the brewer feels the best about it. You guys are here in Queens starting out. You're really small. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself one more time and tell us about the beer that you're drinking. I'm, Ro- <clears throat> I'm Robbie. I'm the brewer at Big Alice. And uh, we do care very much about how our beer is poured and, and what the circumstances are. Um, we don't make very much beer, and as a result, we pour pretty much everything ourselves, um, unless Ben's team is pouring it at uh, the Queens Kickshaw. So... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very local, and it's really not so far been available anywhere else. Um, so as we expand, that's definitely something that we're going to be on top of in terms of, you know, how it's being poured and, and who's doing it. All right. Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean. You, everyone wants Kyle. Is Kyle over here from Big Alice Brewery, and he's like the most outgoing, gregarious guy, but he doesn't want to talk. I, I don't believe that. It's going to be to shut up. That's the trick. That's why always always the the guys that seem the quietest have the most to say, Kyle. I'm just sitting back enjoying the beer right now and, and enjoying the conversation. These guys, you know, from uh, Pilsner Arkell are, are great. I'm looking forward to you know hearing more about what they have and uh, just say talking beer, drinking beer. We'll have uh, we'll have a good time. Well, it must be cool. I mean, there's this great tradition in in the Czech Republic. I mean, when was the first Pilsner brewed, Zeke or Vasla? <laughs> You yeah, have the top yeah, spokesman yeah, in the world I, right here. Come I on. could tell it. Uh, I, I know it uh, quite exactly because it was 5th o- October 1842 when Joseph Grohl firstly opened the barrel and the barrel uh, was uh, absolutely different or in this be- in this barrel was absolutely different beer uh, in comparison with past times. 
and uh, the taste was excellent. It, it was nice gold color with with uh, creamy head, and this uh, beer was very quickly spread across the Europe. And uh, 1873, this beer was firstly served here on this American continent uh, in Racine, uh, ne- nearby Milwaukee. Wow. All right. Well, what about you, uh, Robbie? When you guys make beer, did you ever have one of those eureka moments where I was like, finally, I found the you know the perfect recipe or something? No, no. <laughs> We're still searching. Every time we open a new batch, it's, it's a eureka moment for us. <laughs> yeah, actually, every uh, beer that we brewed so far has been a different beer. So we've done uh, somewhere 53. around fifty-three batches this year, each one being a little bit different from the last. Um, so we're still searching. Maybe someday we'll figure it out and we'll just quit. But until that happens, we're going to keep brewing beer. So that's why you you hardly make any beer. Yeah, well, it's very small amounts. Uh, So there's a lot of experimentation that goes into it. So, you know, every every time we open a new beer, there's a a little (coughs) bit of a surprise to it. It keeps things interesting for us as beer drinkers, and uh, it's constantly evolving. You know, uh, whether it's different produce from different seasons or different spices from different parts of the world or um you know in this case we're drinking something a little bit more straightforward than what we usually do but it's a uh a pale ale that we brewed with wheat and single hopped with stella so let's have frank what do you think of this beer it was very great yeah i mean it's it's like uh old-fashioned beer right yeah 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 i mean in in, in czech are there there still people that do people homebrew in, in czech republic some people Václav, I think that's a question for you. Okay. Uh, in Czech, uh, now it's growing. The the trend brewed the beer at home and is growing. Number of uh, brew pub, uh, which produce the beer only for for single bar. And uh, it's my pleasure to travel around the world and test uh, a different type of beer. And I mean that it's uh, important that in this team uh, where we are now. And talk about the beer. Uh, every uh, brewer here uh, will agree with me that uh, behind each glass or uh, behind each uh, barrel is passion and heart of the brewmaster. And uh, I will appreciate it very, very much. All right. Kyle, tell me something about this beer because it's pretty good. It's Big Alice. Well, Jimmy, that, that's the challenge. Uh, you know, like Robbie mentioned, we did 53 different beers so far this year. And... Uh, I would struggle to tell what we brewed two weeks ago, uh, but you know, <laughs> so remembering back and, and as people come in, it, it requires us to actually do a little bit of homework. So uh, we do bigger beers are typically eight to twelve percent in alcohol, um, so we take a long time to, to let everything fully ferment. So from the day we brew it until the day we, we pour it at our brewery, uh, it can be three months. You know, something <clears throat> and our, our barley wines, which we'll be trying later, those were six months. Um, so we have to do our homework, go back, you know, review the recipes, you know, see what we did, and, and kind of re- refresh our, our you know memories of what we were thinking, what, you know, what, where we wanted to go with this, and uh, what was available, you know, why we chose what we did. Yeah, for us, three months means that we made eighteen different beers before, you know, from the time that we brewed that one to the time that we're tasting. <coughs> ben, how, how did you ever first get to carry Big Alice? You're the uh, only place in New York that sells it, right? At, uh, yeah, at the moment. I mean, that's probably mainly because of uh, their size. They're not so big. Um, I mean, to put a little bit of what they were saying in perspective, uh, we're still pouring a, a little bit of the beer that we um, 
that we got from them from the uh, uh, the beer dinner that we did about three weeks ago. And on my way over here, I thought about grabbing some beer, but I figured that they would probably bring some beer too. But turns out they don't have any of the beer left that, that we still have. So, uh, you know. You're a wild man. Ben's a wild man. You know that. I, I, I think it's important uh, to say that uh, uh, says we brewed 53 brews a year. Uh, uh, don't worry about it because you should be bigger uh, as well. Because personal Urquell on the big, in beginning years, first year, only three and a half thousand hectoliters. They brewed the beer only for themselves. Uh, and uh, uh, I would say from beginning till nowadays, uh, we brewed the beer in the same style. Means we uh, founded this uh, craft process already in this year 1842. Uh, we use only these three ingredients: simple, simple process, malt, uh, pilsen, soft water, and salts, hops. And we brew the, the the beer in copper kettle with direct heating. Uh, uh, doesn't matter. You are now small, but uh, uh, important is passion, and uh, we were lucky that our uh, that's our brewmasters uh, create for us this this uh, tradition and and this passion. For well, cheers! I'll tell you this: uh, it's so great to have you guys from Pilsner here and cheers. the guys from cheers. Queens. So, hey, we're gonna take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes here on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. You're listening to Weaving by Dead Stars on the Heritage Radio Network. So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and this is a great place. We have the smallest brewery in, in New York, Big Alice from Queens, along with one of the most traditional uh, craft beers from uh, Europe, Pilsner Raquel, the guys, uh, Vaslev, Frank, the winner of the competition, and Zeke. So, Zeke, you had some questions. So you guys are from a very traditional beer country, and yet... You know, you, you, you guys are here in America, and it's like we're all brothers, you know? So uh, why don't you ask these guys some questions? Because I know this is you're pretty curious about these guys. Yeah, like uh, I have a couple of questions for uh, guys from Big Alice. Because uh, I'm new in the U.S. market. I moved here in January, and uh, for me it's a big exploration since then. 
And uh, you mentioned you you made like 53 batches this year. Uh, where comes the idea? Like, what beer you wanna brew this time? That's a good question. Um, even for us, we're not always sure. We typically we're brewing on Saturdays, and sometimes we're still making recipes on Thursday. Uh, I think when we got into it, we had this idea where it was going to be a kind of a conversation with our our co- consumers, and we were going to go back and forth, and people would come to the brewery, and you know we'd talk about what kind of flavors people were interested in, and, and it'd be fairly collaborative. Um, that hasn't turned out to be the case so much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we thought people would be super excited to kind of jump in there and design their own beers, but for the time being, we're basically looking for inspiration from anywhere that we can get it. I mean, it's a lot of different beers to come up with recipes for. So um, every time I'm at a farmer's market or at the grocery store or whatever, I'm poking around to see what it is that I missed last time or what it is that's, you know, just come onto the market that's newly ripe this season. Um, so, you know, kind of anywhere and everywhere. Every time I go out and eat a meal, a lot of our beers have kind of been inspired by food and uh, meals that we've had so uh, we have another beer here tonight that is kind of a very simple version of uh, like a mole sauce Um, we've got beers in the past that we've done with teas Um, so we'll do like a black tea and then we'll add some honey malt and um, some milk sugar you know the idea that people will take their, their tea with honey and milk Um, so, you know, really anywhere we can get it. You know, we've done coffee beers, um, so other beverages from different industries. And I, I was like explaining to people that we, we brew like we drink. You know, uh, <laughs> we, we seldom, if I sit down at a bar... Wait, Kyle, and, say that again. I said, we, we brew like we drink. Like that. Uh, so, if we sit down at a bar, you know, and I look at the, at the beer list, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, you know I'll, I'll pick, I guess, whatever looks most interesting to me uh, to start. Uh, but then, with the bartender come back and says, "Can I get you another?" The answer is always no. Not that I don't want another beer; I just don't want another one of those. I may love that beer, but you know, if I look at a list, a beer list, and there's you know, a hundred things there that I've had, but there's one that I haven't, okay. I'm ordering that one. Uh-huh. You know, even if my favorite beer in the world is on that list, I'll skip it to try something new. Okay. And that's why we brew that way. Is is you know, we're all in that category where you know we'll sit down if, if we're going to have a, a, a session. It's not of the same beer. It's it's you know one you know different beer after another, and and that often is um, a source of inspiration for us too. Because you know I might be out somewhere and I'll I'll have something, and I'm on the phone at that moment. I'll call Robbie and like, hey, guess what I just had? This was really good. We got to do something like it, or okay. maybe we do this and and mix it with something else that we we've had in the past, and you know kind of blend and just do some you know some fun things and. Uh, Get a little crazy with it, and, and when you try this one, uh, it's, it's, you know, mole beer as yeah. uh, Robbie described it, you kind of get a feel for what we're talking about. Okay, looking forward to it. And uh, what uh, out of the 53, what was uh, your star so far? Like you, you that you said, oh, this is really good. We don't really pick favorites. There, there's always a favorite kind of of what's available, um, and what we find happens is. So we have our chalkboard up at our brewery, and it, it usually has maybe a dozen beers um, that we currently have available because things tend to sell out pretty quickly. Our batches are only about 40 bottles, um, so they don't last very long. And, and we learned, I don't know if it was our first day open or our second, that when people ask us what our favorite is, to lie. Because when we told the truth, 
That's sold out. You know, every, the beer we're opening here tonight, we get about 45 bottles per batch, period. That's uh-huh. it. So when those are gone, that's it. We're not, we're not do doing Do you guys hand yet. bottle? Uh, we do. We, yeah, everything is done by hand. hand these have corks in them. Bottle, corks, labels. We tie all the, 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 the bows on by hand. Up, up until last week, and Robbie done all of them. I finally got to contribute with that a little bit, and I'm thinking about letting him continue that process. That's really kind of painstaking. So wh- why do you sell to the Queens Kick Show at all? Why don't you just sell it all, all yourselves? That's a good question. When I asked them if we could do this beer dinner and told them how much beer we would need for the dinner, which was literally 10 bottles of each beer to cover each course and, and a four-ounce pour for each person, they were like, uh, let's, let, let's go back and see which beers we might have 10 bottles of. <laughs> so which ones did they do at your dinner? Uh, fortunately, I brought our uh, our menu right here. I knew you were. <laughs> You're awesome. Uh, so for the beer dinner, we you had know Ben a, before. Just when I first met Ben a couple years ago, I tried to talk him out of opening a bar cafe. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> you said don't do it, but if you do do it, make sure that you go for the good beer seal. And you got it, buddy. <laughs> now we did. Uh, so for the beer dinner, we actually had the uh, purple potato chapel. Uh, we had a lemongrass turmeric white lager. It was a very strong ale, 12.6%. We had a curry leaf lapsang souchong smoked beer. Uh, it was uh, made with uh, lapsang tea. And uh, lastly, we had the uh, anise, uh, the star anise uh, hybrid Baltic porter. Um, and these are all still available at Kickshaw right now. Uh, two of them are available by, by the glass, and we're going to continue with the other two uh, pretty soon as soon wow. as we run out of those. I want to add one thing that uh, <clears throat> came up during the conversations uh, about this beer dinner in terms of how they brew and, and, and you know, how they uh, you know, make their recipes. Because one thing that really hit home with me was um, uh, thinking about beer making as, uh, in a similar way to thinking about pickling or jamming. Uh, as a way of preserving the flavors of a season, since these beers are, th- are ready about three months later, uh, what you're drinking is going to be what was fresh and what was thought about and what was you know, uh, in, uh, you know where the inspiration came from um, three months prior when those ingredients were fresh at the green market or where, you know wherever the inspiration came from. So I mean I find that pretty inspired myself. Oh, it's cool. You know, it's 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 real craft beer, man. It's you know. Exactly, like food and everything. Oh, yeah, we've got a call-in, too. This is, uh, now we've, you know, we've got to set the stage. We've got our guys from Czech. We've got the new small brewery in Queens. And uh, there's a call-in, a guy from the industry, uh, Tad Fisco from Portland Kettleworks, who is making equipment for a lot of the new small breweries in the area as well as other places. Uh, Tad, how are you, buddy? Great, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. Uh, thanks for reaching out to us. So, um First question I'm going to ask you, and we've got some guys from Pilsner Raquel here, uh, and uh, Big Alice Brewing, which is the smallest brewery in Queens, and Ben from Queens Kickshaw in uh, Queens. Uh, what's the Portland beer scene like? Uh, it's a fairly mature scene. I think Portland's got better than 50 breweries now in town. With uh, I don't know, I think our in-town population is around 600,000 people. I don't. I can't say that it's a saturated market because there's still people opening breweries. But uh, yeah, it's pretty lively. So you guys reached out. So you're even though you're in Portland, uh, tell us a little bit about what your company does. And I know you're you're, you're working with some new breweries in, in New York. We are. We're working with a couple of breweries in New York. The um, we we basically build small brewing systems from three barrel up to fifteen and twenty barrel size. So kind of. Um, in the, the range, we're looking for 
clients in the that, that are primarily interested in retailing product, so they're going to sell it across their bar. Uh, we find those are pretty strong business plans overall. And um, yeah, in locally there in New York, we're working with uh, Yonkers Brewing. They're a little startup, and then we have a second startup out in Poughkeepsie, which is uh, Millhouse Brewing. They should be Millhouse should be brewing beer here in the next month or so. They're finishing up their construction right now, but they do have their system. Great. And how did you? How long have you been doing this? And tell us a little more about your company. Yeah, so we started back in 2011 and began really with just a three-barrel brew house and tanks to go with it. Um, kind of more of a professional-grade system, but uh, built along the, the uh, ideas of a home-brewing system um, so that guys could double-batch on it fairly rapidly, use really high-quality equipment, best possible parts and manufacturing processes. All our manufacturing is done here in Portland. Um, and sort of give the home brewer a leg up in the ability to get into the market and start to to uh, get some beer that they could sell into a retail environment. Some guys have consequently tried to, or actually are, selling beer uh, as uh, wholesale off a three-barrel system, but that's a, kind of a tough nut to crack when you can't make a lot of beer. Um, and we just have been slowly building into larger systems and... Uh, our most popular size systems right now uh, are 7-barrel are through 15-barrel, along with, uh, we still saw an awful lot of threes, but the 7 to 15 seems to be a, a real hot-ticket item. Tad, the, the guys from uh, the Big Alice Brewing want to ask you a couple questions. Kyle? Sure. Hey, Tad, it's uh, Kyle with Big Alice Brewing. How you doing? Um, we are, you know, as uh, Jimmy said, we're, we're one of the smallest, actually I think we're now technically the smallest uh, brewery out here. Um you know, we all started as home brewers, and you know, as a result, you know, we get a lot of home brewers coming in to see us, and, and it's tangible for them. You know, it's it's something that uh, they see we've done, we've taken that step, we're doing it on a small scale, something that they can comprehend and, and do, and, and it's exciting, and and, and I, I love seeing that, you know, excitement in other brewers, and, and it's very real for them to be able to do it. Um, recently, the New York Times did an article here about, you know. The number of breweries we have in New York City, and, and you mentioned you have a population of six hundred thousand and fifty breweries. We have a population of eight million and fourteen breweries. They speculated that you know that, that's oversaturated and that a number of them are going to close. I, I guess I'm curious uh, what you would say to that, Ted. Uh, quite simply, I'd say no way are you guys anywhere near saturation. You got a long, long, long way to go. Um, if you look at the sort of the Portland scene. And the way beers are, are made and drank in town, what you'll find is that a lot of the breweries sell 95% of their brew right in their establishment. So they may be a brew pub, they may be a tasting room, but most of their beer is staying right at home, literally. Um, and ultimately, looking at the profit side of it, that's kind of the best way to start because when you can when you can sell your beer like that to clientele who like what you make and they come in you're going to have the highest possible profit margin for those for that beer that you sell i think that uh that if you take that concept you know that that every neighborhood is a village that every neighborhood could have a brewery that's the way it was 
60, 70 years ago, why couldn't it be that way now? And I think that Portland's kind of proving that out. That's great to hear, Ted. I mean, we're, we're kind of banking on the neighborhood brewery concept, so I'm, I'm real excited to hear that. I know I've heard other people speak about that, too. Um, ben Granger from Beercraft, they're starting to brew their own beer there, and he's a big supporter of everybody, you know, each neighborhood having their own little brewery. And uh, as more breweries start to open up throughout Brooklyn and Queens, it seems like it's it's getting there. Um, Ted, as a, a small brewery that is looking to expand, as most of them are, what kind of advice would you give to uh, the small breweries out there that are looking to upgrade to professional equipment? Um, the very first thing is put together a decent business plan. Think about what your costs are and live within your means. Don't, uh, don't think that you're going to be the next... 50-state brewery that's going to be distributing all over the country. I think, you know, like I said before, stay home. Try and try and uh, grow organically. Grow with a, a, a solid business plan and with good margins on what you sell right off the bat. If you can do well that way, then it's easy to grow larger. The problem I see in, in some instances is a lot of breweries will start out really big and the cost of starting up and everything that they do beyond starting up grows exponentially. It grows with the size of the brewery. So it, um, it can be overwhelming. If, if you think you want to start with a 20-barrel brewery, you should know all the costs involved with it versus starting with a 7-barrel brewery, for instance, which you can just sell all your beer retail right at home. So, uh, and, and since you're on, Tad, uh, Robbie and Kyle, what size brewing system do you guys have right now? It's a third of a barrel. So how many gallons? Ten. It's like a big <laughs> pot, right? Yeah. It's actually, uh, it's literally a keg that's been chopped up and uh, re-engineered as a kettle, and then we use kegs to ferment in as well. And what, what's your heating system? It's a direct fire, uh, natural gas. Like a burner? Yep. Yeah, under the kettle it is. We do have an electric uh, element as well that maintains our fine line temperature while we're mashing. So, uh, Ted, what, what system for these guys to upgrade slightly from, you know, 10-gallon gal- 10 system, what would you recommend next for them? Well, those guys are making some awesome beers. You know, they're making a lot of different beers, too. So that kind of turns into a big conversation. Tanks, how many beers do you really want to make? consistently are you going to be making new beer all the time um those are all conversations that we have with folks that call us up looking for systems so i think we'd have to concentrate on that i you know i think to get the maximum bang for the buck i like to say that like a seven barrel brewery is a good a good size to go with um there's not a lot of difference in cost between five and seven it's just how much you want to brew but at the same time, a three-barrel brewery is a—it's a low cost of entry. It—you don't have a lot of economy of scale at that size, so your your production costs are going to be a little higher, maybe as much as twice as high as they will be when you get up to a slightly larger brewery like seven, ten, or fifteen. But there's not a lot of spread between those sizes, so it becomes an economics game. It becomes a question primarily first: what do you have for space, and and what do you have for a budget? Um, and what kind of beer are you going to make? What's your intention? And then work around all of those factors and come up with the best possible scenario. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the limiting factors in New York City is just that real estate's so expensive. You know, it's it's tough to find enough space to work with. Yeah, I think I, I, I saw that when I, I 
spent a week out in Poughkeepsie putting in the Millhouse Brewery, and they asked me, you know, what would you do? And I said, you know, from what I can see, the best thing you could do is brew beer out here in the Burbs and take it into the city because there's a ton of opportunity in there. But the cost of real estate and the cost of leases, I don't even know what they are, but I, I have to imagine they're sky high. Yeah, Ted, what, and, uh, at Poughkeepsie, what size system are they putting in? Seven, seven barrel. Seven to start. So like, let's say I, in the back of my bar in the East Village, I got a room. It's about, I don't know, 15 feet by 20 feet. It's tiled. It's got uh, water, electricity. It was meant to be a prep room. It's kind of sitting there unused. And I got two narrow, uh, you know, basement hallways to get into it. Could, could I put a system back there? Would it even be able to fit in uh, down the stairs and through the alleyway and all that? I'd have to ask uh, how, how much space you have the, the kettles on a, like a little three barrel system are 36 inches in diameter so that would be the limiting factor as long as we have 36 inches you could get that in tanks of course are another question even at the three barrel size the width of the tank is the same as a seven barrel tank so they're about 40 inches narrowest probably could design them a little narrower if we needed to um 300 square feet is plenty of space it's tight we have a brewery in Seattle that's in 400 square feet with a three-barrel system. So and it's like a, this is the, the, well. the gold rush of the 1849. This is the craft beer gold rush. You're like the Levi jeans, aren't you? Yeah. So everybody with a dream. So how can they find out more about you? Because if I have a dream and I want to open a small brewery, sh- should I email you? Is that, yeah, is that the best go, way to reach you? Yeah, go on you? our uh, website, portlandkettleworks.com, and um, there's a bunch of information on there. You can email me directly, or you can go through the website. And uh, I'm Thad at PortlandKettleWorks.com. And through the website, you'll get in touch with Chris Sears, who does does our um, our bidding and does a lot of talking to brewers all over the nation every day. All right, man. Hey, thanks for calling on. We're going to take a short break, okay? And thanks, uh, thanks so much, Thad. Uh, we'll take a short Bye. break. We'll be back in a few moments on uh, Beer Sessions Radio. All right. More Dead Stars. This one's called Kill Me in the Summertime on Beer Sessions Radio. Check it out. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've got quite a group. We've got, uh, we talked to uh, Tad from uh, Portland Kettle Works in Portland, Oregon on the show. Uh, we've got the guys from Big Alice. It's a, a smallest brewery in New York City from Queens. We've got Ben from uh, Queens Kickshaw, one of my favorite uh, good Brazil bars in Queens. And we've got the guys from Pilsner Raquel. Um, Z's kind of the spokesman. But um, we, we've got the new master bartender. He won the Pilsner Raquel Pouring Championship last night. 
at the Bohemian Hall at, at the Czech uh, consulate, uh, Frank and and Vasla, who's their master brand guy, who can talk a story. Let me give him a microphone because you're a good talker. I, I really enjoyed the process yesterday. I know what you were trying to do. I mean, because we've got breweries and bars, and we try to tell those stories on our show. But you, you guys did a great job, and, and Jim's here, one of your distributors. You guys went out of your way to uh, train uh, certain bartenders around New York City, and they were, had a chance to enter into competition. And Frank won. But what, what does he win? Because a lot of bartenders want to do more. I know they want to improve their careers, and there's a lot of great competitions out there. So what, what did uh, Frank win? Uh, for this, uh, I, I will start uh, uh, not uh, uh, only for your question because uh, I heard this discussion before, and uh, we heard uh, the talking about equipment for smaller and bigger breweries, and uh, in my in my brain, in my heart, uh, there is no difference between size uh, of breweries. Uh, I split uh, the beer uh, whether it's good or excellent uh, not from small bigger or, or or middle brewery because if the beer from smaller brewery is brewed with heart and passion uh, same like from biggest one uh, it should be excellent uh, and uh, to this competition i think uh, this competition this is not a, only about pouring uh, this is about presentation uh, bartender uh, himself because we would like create really really master bartender behind the bar and it should be meant uh, for him will be people traveled across New York across Brooklyn across Manhattan like is it now uh, for example in our small country in Czech uh, people traveled across Prague uh, exactly for shift uh, their bartender because uh, he talk uh, with uh, their, uh, these customers. Uh, he are receiving their troubles. And uh, by the way, they will drink something good. Uh, for example, Pilsner Club. Also, so, okay, let's say I'm taking a trip in April to, to Prague with you guys. Yeah, maybe, please, welcome. Maybe we'll come. We'll bring the whole crew. <laughs> and we'll bring some American brewers and everybody. But uh, what are some of the, the, the favorite bars that, that you have in, in Prague and, and places outside of Prague, like Pilsen, places to get good beers? Uh, uh, the communication uh, t- today was about, uh, about equipment for smaller breweries. And uh, now we have uh, in Czech uh, or in Europe uh, a trend that we uh, deliver the beer to the bar in tanks. Uh, and uh, beer in tanks is not different in comparison uh, with beer uh, from keg, but uh, there is the fresh beer going straight from brewery to the bar, and uh, our people appreciate uh, the freshness of the beer. So how, how big is the tank? Uh, the tanks, we have two sizes. Uh, one is 1,000 liters, and uh, one is 500 uh, liters, and there is simple rule for pouring uh, this beer and uh, for for uh, choosing this bar. They should uh, pour the beer within two, at maximum three days. Uh, it means it should be a proper bar. And, you know, uh, Czech Republic, uh, there is the consumption uh, about 140 liters per capita. That is it a little bit simple. And uh, we have we have now uh, more than six hundred uh, these similar bars, 
and uh, we started uh, push this quality across the board. We have these bars in Slovakia, we have uh, in Austria, and it's two months we opened uh, this tank beer in London, and maybe we will see what happened in New York. So what? What is? So first of all, a five hundred or a thousand liter, you know, keg of beer. And what does that look like? I mean, how big is it? Uh, it's uh, uh, approximately three times bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a classic beer belly. You look at me, I'm getting a beer belly. But this guy, Vasil, how old are you? Uh, I'm fif- uh, 57. And, and uh, I, of course, I spent all my life in brewery. I started my career in uh, 1980. Means uh, my professional career is. Uh, I think that's when Maggie was born. Is uh, Maggie? Long, what year were you born? Longer than thirty-three, thirty-three <laughs> uh, years. Uh, but uh, I brewed my first brew still nine years before, uh, because my father was working in the brewery. My dad was working in the brewery, and I spent there my study holiday. It was funny for me. I'll drink to that, Jimmy. In 1971, brewed my first personal well, and uh, it was so huge. Uh, imagine for me. Vasla kind of looks like Mario Batali, yeah, but he he he's dressed a little more conservative. <laughs> in, in case you're wondering, and then also Vasla. So like, just just tell us two bars in in Prague that I can go to get some good beer. Just the name of the bar. Uh, I think uh, it's simple. Uh, uh, first bar uh, where is served the beer from 1842. Pardon, 1843. It means one year after foundation of brewery is uh, bar Upinkasu, and this is this is pub which uh, without break served only personal qualities this 170 years. And of course, second bar is uh, now named local. Uh, and uh, Franciszek uh, has grown from this locale, and uh, uh, the locale or this chain is growing like like mushrooms after rain. Uh, uh, we will see what will happen, and and maybe one locale will be uh, here in in New York as well. But there is still plenty of other. For example, Golden Tiger. Golden T- Tiger is very popular bar. Uh, because uh, this is the bar uh, visited by by your previous president Bill Clinton uh, with our our president Václav Havel. Yeah, there is many many bars. Well, you, I tell you, after whatever happened in your country, it inspired a lot of people. You know that a poet became the president, mm. and we I think we all look look to you guys and raise our glasses and a toast. And we've had on the very small brewery Kotni, which is a you know it's another brewery from. From Czech that we like. I'm going to ask Z to ask uh, Frank one more question because Frank really is the master bartender. I've never seen a guy pour beer the way he did. He's like when you talk about you know there was the Zen and the art of motorcycle, you know whatever maintenance, maintenance which I read. In, you know you, you do something. You're a line cook. You know you're doing something where you do it every day, and at some point you get so good that you you can just do it, and you don't have to try to put on an act, and you really know what you're doing. And that's really what how, how Frank came across. And I will say I was lucky to be a judge yesterday, and, and I did vote for him because he was the only guy, the Zen of pouring beer. So Zeke, let me just please translate and ask two more questions for Frank. One, the first job he ever had in a bar, and how old he was, and wh- where it was. Takže uh, jaký, jaká byla tvoje první práce v baru a jak jsi byl starý a kde to bylo? Uh, it's, uh, 
Moje první práce byla v restauraci na Vyšehradě. Bylo to restaurace u pěti králů a bylo to v roce 1994, kdy jsem vlastně poprvé přišel do, do styku s Buzzner Orkwell. Okay, so his first job was uh, in uh, one of the Prague restaurants in a, in a neighborhood called uh, Vyšehrady. And uh, the, the restaurant was uh, Five Kings. And uh, basically it was the first time he basically was introduced to Pilsner Urquell. What about your training as a bartender? Uh, beyond, the, uh, beyond the brand, like tell us about, what, you know, is, is you considered a professional in your country because you're a really great bartender? Uh, měl jsem tam staršího kolegu, v těch letech jemu bylo zhruba asi 50, 51 let, který vlastně, ta restaurace byla štamgastská, takže o to prostě to bylo pro mě horší, protože všichni vyžadovali určitou kvalitu piva a já jsem vlastně se v té době učil teprve. Ok, so that's an interesting experience, because uh, he is a basically older bartender, he was a teacher, he was 51 years old and uh, it was a traditional Czech restaurant where you get a lot of like regular guests, you know, they were there every single night in a week, so they expect some service, so that was uh, much more harder for Frank to satisfy them, because they were expecting some level of service, and he was new in a bar. All right, well, he's, he's done a great job, he's uh, pretty good, and, and of course, just so you know, this is like the BBC, it's our second time we've had Czech language on <laughs> Pure Assassin's Radio, so, all right, we're going to give a shout out, we're going to wrap up the show right now, there's a couple <laughs> events coming up. Uh, we've got a big fan out there. It's uh, Bearded Ladies. Uh, they're doing an event uh, with Six Point Brewery and Bitters and Esters. Uh, it's called the Ladies Pint Night on September 22nd. It's at Atlantic Co. in Prospects Heights, Brooklyn. And they want me to say there is no cover to attend, and there will be women brewed flight specials, live lady DJs, and backroom poker from feminists playing cards. Come and meet other craft beer-loving women. All right, check out. BeardedLadies.com and, and uh, they've got a great Twitter. I think it's at BeardedLadies. They uh, listen to our show and uh, Meredith probably listening right now. Good luck with that event. A couple other events on Sunday. Uh, there's an event that I know Heritage Radio Network is backing. It's called uh, Taste Talks. It's produced by Elle Magazine. There's a lot of seminars and talks, but there's also the All-Star Cookout on Sunday. And uh, my guys will be there. Food Common Projects is producing that event. And next uh, Saturday, September 21st, uh, HudsonRising.com uh, will be in Ossining, wrapping up their Hudson Valley beer season. Uh, there'll be uh, Peekskill, Defiant, and a few other uh, Hudson Valley breweries, uh, along with food and uh, smokers and stuff. So uh, that's what's going on in New York. We had a great summer. I mean, we were at WNYC. Almost everyone in this room was on. We had uh, the Craft Beer Jam. We had the guys from Big Alice. We've had some beer bar owners, some really cool people. It was a great summer. And uh, Vaslo, what do you want to say? And, and we have plenty of information about events which are expected here in New York. I, I should add one event. We will uh, uh, happy to invite you uh, to Pilsen uh, because we will celebrate 170 years from uh, brewing first brew and it will be done 5th of October. Please welcome and I will show you uh, how we do it and we, will, we could taste the beer direct in beer cellars from Wooden Barrel. Because we still ferment it and maturate. Vazla, uh, what's your email, buddy? What's your email? <laughs> How can you get in touch with Vazla, Jim? I'll get you in touch with him. All right. Okay. That's great. It's been a great show. And uh, the last, uh, Robbie, tell us about the last beer we had from Big Alice because it's pretty good. It's got a little bit of chili in there. That's the, the mole inspired beer. It's uh, chipotle peppers 
and sun-dried tomatoes, and Mass Brothers cocoa nibs. And Scott Berger, say hi, the other big Alice guy. Yeah, so, so that's batch number 36. Uh, that's that's 8.6%. Um, and something I think when you think about our beers that, that comes into play is often these are really good for pairing with food. So when you look at, you know, what's going on with the ingredients, um, they often pair really nicely with different styles of meals. Obviously, this one, you know, easily goes Tex-Mex or Mexican and along those lines. Um, and And the assortment of beers that Robbie's been creating recipes for has been really incredible and so diverse that, you know, really could take you across the, you know, the nation, the world in terms of styles of food to pair it to. It's just, just the right spiciness. Ben, anything going on at Queen's Kickshaw in the next couple of weeks? In the next two weeks, no, but uh, we're getting... Never again. <laughs> well, we're just getting really excited for Cider Week coming up. That's uh, October 18th to 27th, I think, and and we're you know we're going to do a, a full tap takeover with all ciders and do a cider dinner and and probably some kind of other you know pairing thing going on all week long. We're we're really pumped about. You guys cider, always so. have kombucha too, don't you? Yeah, we do actually. I've got a bottle of it for you here from Spiro. So I, I don't know. I'm not sold on kombucha. What about you guys, Zeke? You, do you guys have kombucha and and, and check? Uh, guys, uh, I don't know if you remember. I believe my parents had it, had it uh, like 20 years ago. Kombucha. <laughs> Vazla, he doesn't want to talk Vazla's about it. Vazla can only talk about Pilsner Hercal. That's it. I, I know nothing about kombucha. But uh, if we speak about Queen's actions, uh, please don't forget that we have the best bartender in Hospoda. Uh, it's between uh, 70, uh, um, between 1st and 2nd Ave, 73rd Street. 73rd Street. And Hospoda is opened uh, after 5 p.m. And uh, the beer serve uh, champion of USA, personal master bartender, Frank Schaska. He's great, man. All right, so I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Beer Sessions Radio is supported by the Good Beer Seal. If you like this podcast, give us a good review on iTunes, too, and follow us on Twitter at, at beer underscore sessions. Thanks to Vazla, Frank, Z, Robbie, Scott, Kyle, Ben, Thad and uh, Jim, who just walked in, for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, and our engineer, Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Rock on. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.